Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Industry Seating. This is Sunday. It's the last day of January, January 31st, and we just wrapped up the first of the Indianapolis rounds. So we'll have three here for many, you know, obviously most of you know that. We'll have three rounds in a row here. The next round will be up on Tuesday, and then we'll wrap up next Saturday, and we'll that will conclude round six. So we'll get into all the things that happened. I'll do my power rankings, which will comprise the bulk of this industry seating episode. And with with so much going on, uh, I, I'm going to try to continue to do more industry seating episodes uh, during the week. I may have time to do one on Wednesday, which would be cool. Try to knock that out. Um, I have a seminar here on the formula helmet, the fly racing formula helmet on Wednesday night. So hopefully I can get it in before that. But these are going to be a little bit shorter just because I want to add uh, more episodes and it's just, uh, it's just a time game for me at this point. I do want to thank the sponsors of this podcast though. Pirelli tires, Plum Creek funding, guts racing, works connection, Six Twelve suspension, pro glow wash, premier vapor blasting of Georgia, risk racing, fast foundry, blends all. And of course, fly racing. So let's just jump right into this thing. I thought it was a pretty awesome night of racing. It was exciting to say the least. And that's really been one of the, the highlights of 2021. First off, we're actually racing. Let's always qualify it with that because there were many people who thought that racing was going to grind to a halt, you know, going back to last year and even before this year, but we've had very exciting racing overall. And it's been awesome, man. I, I I'm very fortunate that I get to go to all these races. You get to see them in person and you get to see all the things that maybe you would miss if you were not sitting in the stands because you're subject to whatever they're showing on the TV screen at most times. Uh, and there's just all kinds of crashing and close calls that were happening because the track was really treacherous. And if you remember, I, I kind of spoke about this. I tweeted it. I spoke about it on my Patreon podcast. That's on every race day morning. There will be another one on Tuesday morning. If you want to sign up for that, go to, go to patreon.com slash industry seating. But I've been really harping on this, uh, the chaos that the track was going to cause, especially at the first round, most likely at the second round as well. As this dirt goes through a thawing and drying process coming out of the cold, wet winter here in Indianapolis. And we got a little lucky because uh, locals have been telling me it's been a pretty dry winter. And then we just got a huge snowstorm last night uh, after the race, well, during the race and after the race. So we missed it by a few days on that. It could have been a lot ruddier. Um, but we did see a lot of, uh, a lot of, I guess, variance and, and craziness and crashing and all kinds of things that I think the track definitely played a part of when you just, when you add ruts into difficult rhythm sections, you're going to see, you're going to see crashes. You're going to see guys, even if they don't crash, have some really, really close calls. As I mentioned, um, trying to think of anybody that I saw that just looked picture perfect all night. And I can't really say that I did. I mean, you know, Tomac crashes in the main event, Cincerillo crashes in the main event. Roxon had a close call on his uh, his warm-up lap uh, for the for the opening ceremonies. He tried to triple over the section almost, I want to say almost crashed, but it was certainly not how he had drawn it up. Uh, Zach Osborne crashed throughout the day. Uh, just, you know, everybody you can think of. The 250 guys were all over the map. I guess if I had to pick one guy who I didn't really look sketchy would be Colt Nichols and he just looked great all you know, all, all day. His times were awesome. You know, he wasn't blowing anybody away with qualifying time or anything, but he just looked that cliche of cool, calm and collected. And that that's really him in a nutshell so far this season. 
He hasn't always been the fastest guy. I think he was the fastest guy last night. You could argue Jet was, but Jet was way too unpredictable and making mistakes all over the racetrack to really say that just because he could put in a faster lap than Colt, that that really counts. Because I think if you told Colt, like, hey, I need you to turn it up, he probably could have. But I think Colt is experienced enough and old enough to realize that if you turn it up like that, and using the phrase turn it up is I mean the intensity and the risk-taking, that you're likely going to hit the dirt at some point. Doesn't mean you're going to crash that lap, but if you continue on for whether it's a heat race or a main event, at some point if you're taking risks all the way around the track and you're pushing the edge of traction, if things don't go perfectly, you just go anyway. Is like, And I'm, when I say that, I mean like a rhythm section. Because when you're jumping a rhythm section through ruts, things are always just a tad off. It's very rare that everything's going exactly how you want it to when you're jumping through ruts. You're always leaning one direction or the other. You're using body English on the motorcycle to kind of steer it back towards the rut that you want. It's just a different degree of difficulty than a perfect racetrack. And if you're going to ride at the very top of your intensity level for that amount of time and take chances when things aren't going perfectly, like you say you cross rut and you just go anyway, maybe you pull it off that particular time. But if you keep doing that, you're probably going to crash. And that's where I think Jet has to kind of find that fine line. And where Colt and some of the more experienced racers that you're watching, a guy like Roxon or Webb, they've already figured that out. They've gone through the trials and tribulations of how that ends if you if you decide to just go for it. You end up on the ground, and then you lose a bunch of points. And that's that's not a, a scenario or a decision that you can replicate with success over and over. So that's just kind of what I'm seeing from Jet at the moment. And he'll learn. He's going to get better. He is incredible on the motorcycle. And the amount of fans that his style is creating, it's unbelievable. And and I know most of you weren't there, right? There was only a 10,000 person cap. I believe 10,700 is the number I heard for how many people they allowed into the stadium, but it was loud there. You know, those 10,000 people seem to all be cheering for jet Lawrence after his main event. And I think it was just due to effort. Like he just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming you know, he was taken out by Moseman in the heat race, which was deserved. You know, he went after Moseman and uh, Houston, so I, I don't see any foul play there. And then he had a really tough go in the main event where he just kept having to pick himself up off the ground. And that kind of leads us into that incident with Christian Craig. And I don't know what Christian was doing there. He had the inside line covered, right? So in a typical scenario there, right? Jets mate trying to make a move around the outside, but Christian has the inside and you're going left, left and Christian's controlling the inside. So logic and, you know, common sense or just a common game theory there for racing would say, okay, Christian, you have the inside. All you have to do is just mark him Blitz down the, the whoops on the inside. And Christian is an elite level rider in the whoops. So that shouldn't be a problem. And all you have to do is just make sure that you keep your front tire and head it in, in front of his through the next two left turns and you've got him covered, right? And if, if Jet wants to press the issue, then you just make sure that you don't give him any room. And so I don't know if Christian was frustrated, if he was angry, if there was something that was affecting his decision-making there versus just the obvious, but certainly something was going on because he just didn't turn. He didn't turn left at all and he drove... He and Jet Lawrence straight into the tough blocks. Now, at first glance, I was watching to see if maybe their their handlebars got locked together, which happens. That happens a lot of times where 
you know, you're planning on turning, but you get too close to the person, you lock bars and you can't turn like your bars are locked straight because they're entangled in the other rider's bars and you just get drugged into a straight line and you end up in the tough blocks. That's probably happened to everyone listening to this. Who's ever raced. It's just a really common occurrence, but I couldn't see that on the television and maybe I need to give it another look, but I, I just didn't see it. I, I thought that it was more of they had room and Christian just just rode into the tough blocks. Um, so if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. It's just what I saw. I watched it at the race and then I watched it, uh, replays on social media and on the big screen. And I didn't really see any entanglement there. So, uh, again, if I, if that's wrong and I'm wrong on that, then I, I will take the L, but just kind of an unexplainable move from Christian there where they both ran out of room. And when you run out of room, you know, tires and wheels don't, mesh well with tough blocks. They grab the tire and basically they just pull your bike to the ground. So weird deal from Christian certainly gave away a lot of points to Colt Nichols. And I'll be honest, watching the race, I didn't think there was any way Christian wasn't going to get second place there. Uh, I was kind of following my fantasy guys around the track. I wasn't watching, uh, jet Lawrence close in on Christian Craig as much as I probably should have. But I don't know that anybody halfway through the race would have said, Oh yeah, there's, yeah, you know, Jed will catch Christian here for sure, right? It seemed like most men had a chance and then he made a big mistake, jumped off the track and then it was just basically, okay, Colt's going to ride away. Christian will settle for second here and they'll both live to fight another day. And then, oh man, we get all the drama on the last lap and all the talking points and everything else. So most men definitely got handed a gift. I was in, uh, our WPS fly racing uh, sitting area. We had a suite, thankfully to, uh, for, our, you know, our company for providing that, but the Mosaman family was in our suite. Uh, they used to be fly racing riders. And of course, you know, once you're a fly racing family, you're always fly racing family. And I was, <laughs> I was getting a kick out of watching his mom just go through the ups and downs and emotions of watching her son, uh, race that main event. And then obviously there was just explosion of, excitement whenever, uh, when Michael was able to get back into second place for the finish line. So Christian lost some points. I'm sure he's bumming today. Uh, he can't afford to give Colt any points with the way Colt's riding. And then jet too, right? Jet should have had at least a third there after such a tough fight to get back there. And then he's, uh, he loses points as well. So crazy race. Uh, I think Colt Nichols ride got a bit overshadowed by all the drama, but not by me. I, I was extremely impressed by, uh, by Colt Nichols ride there. And he looks like the favorite to me. And, and I've really held off on kind of making any favorite calls in this, uh, in this series. I've, I've really given them even odds coming into Indy as far as the rest of the series goes. But after the way Colt looked and after the just steady performance that he delivered on Saturday night, I have him as my favorite now. So we'll see where that goes. We'll see if I'm made to look foolish there. But I just loved everything about the way he rode on Saturday night. Now, as for the 450s, we're going to jump into my power rankings, which will provide some talking points. But before we do, I want to give a chance to Andy Gregg at Guts Racing to explain a little bit more about their industry seating involvement for 2021. And I want to thank them for coming on board. And without further ado, here's Andy. Hey, industry seating guys. This is Andy Gregg from Guts Racing. For 2021, we'll be part of the Industry Seating Podcast. We look forward to uh, doing some interviews, talking about product on here. But for right now, I want to give you some insight on the Guts Racing product. If you're not familiar, we're, we developed a lightweight seat foam. It's extremely light. It's got zero gravity technology. It's used by a lot of the top riders like Cooper Webb, 
uh, Team Rockstar Husqvarna, with a lot of riders use that seat. It's it's amazing product. It helps uh, get the lower center of gravity of your bike, removes a lot of unneeded weight in your seat area. Also, we offer um, a wide variety of color options with our interactive seat builder, where you can design your seat cover right on our website. You can see all the colors as they would be on your bike. It's a cool feature, gives you the idea of what pinks and purples and greens are gonna look like together. Also, we have the RJ wing seat, which is used by Dean Wilson and a few other riders. It's wider through the knee area to help you grip your bike. Um, as the bikes are getting narrower, it's an added feature that really helps for the guys that struggle with gripping the side of their bikes. But once again, I'm looking forward to a great 2021 with uh, industry seating and Jason Thomas. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks, Andy, for that. Go to GutsRacing.com for more information as well. And I learned something there. I didn't know that you could customize your own seat covers. So I probably should know that, but I did not know that. So that's a really cool idea. And uh, if I was out there trying to make my bike look different than the norm, it's a great way to do it. So as for the 450s, great race, right? Roxon really kind of made a statement, I thought. Because for me, I have always felt that Roxon struggled when the track broke down. I have a belief that when the track is perfect and in perfect condition, not many people can go with Roxon on just pure intensity and speed. And I would also put Adam Cincerillo in that group. But as the track breaks down, he seems to lose a little bit of that edge. And I thought that's what happened at Houston. And I really thought that's what would happen at Houston 1. Because when he got out front, he finally got around Cincerillo. Tomac was in the mix. I'm like, oh, man, it's a matter of time. And, and maybe... If Tomac didn't crash, maybe that's what we would have saw. You, you could certainly make an argument that if Tomac doesn't slide out after the whoops, that it's his race to lose. But that's what happens, right? And he got right back up in the middle of the battle. So I kind of don't think that really holds water because if he wanted to win the race, he had multiple opportunities too. Or if he could beat Roxon straight up because he was winning, then he crashes, then Roxon goes off the track, he's winning again. And Roxon just made an immediate pass back. So full credit to Ken Roxon. He got it done through a few different a few different incidents, right? He had to make passes. He jumps off the track. He's got to deal with Tomac straight up one-on-one -on, -one on a really deteriorating racetrack, which normally we would all kind of place our bets on Tomac, or at least I would anyway. But uh, Roxon got it done. Good for him. And I think that's a pretty big statement for for him moving forward. Yes, we're only four rounds into a 17-round series, so he's got to find a way to maintain this crazy high level and stay healthy and just avoid all of the health problems that he has over the last few years. And who's to say if he can or can't do that? I know lots of people are skeptical about just his body holding up to the rigors of such a long series, and I don't know. I, I, I love what I'm seeing from him right now. But I could certainly understand any case that is to be made for him just losing a little bit of intensity over the next few months just due to the wear and tear that goes on. That's kind of what happens. It's really difficult for your body to just hang in there with flights and travel and different cities and cold weather and the, don't you know not to mention the physical abuse that you're putting your body through throughout the week of training and racing and all these things. There's just a lot of variables that your body has to deal with. And if you have any vulnerabilities, which it seems Roxon does, those seem to pop up at the worst times for his championship chances. So we'll see. I don't have any conclusions. I'm not a, any sort of uh, fortune teller. I'm just kind of weighing out what 
the cases for him winning, which he just looks great. He looks to be arguably the best rider in the series right now versus the other side, which could be that his body is just not going to be able to fight through months and months and months of this level. So just something to watch for. But as for the power ranking, let's start at number 10. Let's get to it. I have Jason Anderson. And I'm going to preface this. This may not make sense. This may not match up to your power ranking, but this is my power ranking. And the way I've really structured it this week is I have this power ranking for this week as to where I think this series is going to go. I think that, yes, I have factored in some of the prior results, the first four rounds, but I think this is where we're headed. I think this is from what I've seen. I'm trying to draw early conclusions about where it's going to go in the, in the eh, medium term, right? From now until, let's say, round 10 to 12. So let's say the second quarter, maybe the second third of the series would be a little bit more uh, fair. But I have Jason Anderson at number 10. He had to go to the LCQ, which is never any fun for anybody. He did show a few signs of life this past weekend, but he's, he's just not on the level that we've seen him at in years prior. And I, I think that's due to effort. You know, I, I think he would be lying if he said that his dedication level and his effort level is at the same place that it was in the 2018 season. There's no way you can convince me that it is. And I think anybody that says that it is would be either just wrong or misinformed. Listen, he's a great rider. He's doing fine. There's nothing wrong with what he's doing. But I don't think he's willing to sacrifice every other aspect of his life for success on the racetrack. And that's that's what it takes, I believe, in this class to be at the best. I, I don't think there can be a lot of fun had, you know. And, that, and when I say fun, I mean like, you know, having a couple beers in the middle of the week. And, you know, oh man, I, I would love to go wakeboarding today. I'm going to blow off riding a little early today because I want to, I want to get out there and, uh, I want to wakeboard the, the lake's super glassy today. Like that's, that's the kind of things that I believe Jason Anderson to be willing to do at this point in his career. And a guy like Osborne is not Osborne is all in and the results, you know, maybe don't say that, but I, I just think mentally and where their commitment levels are, that's that's what's happening. That's what you're seeing. Cooper Webb maybe being the same way, Tomac being the same way. Those guys are 100% and all in on being as successful as possible right now. But again, Jason Anderson got his title in 2018 and I think he's I think he's okay with that. Like that's his legacy. No one's ever going to be able to take that away from him and he went out and earned it. He was absolutely fantastic in that 2018 season. So kudos to him. And my opinion, he can do whatever the hell he wants. He makes a lot of money. He's a champion. He's won a lot of races. I have no problem with it. At number nine, I have Dylan Ferrandis. And I, I thought he was going to really make a move there on Saturday night. He was riding the track well. I thought he was going to put himself in a position to really get to the front. And it kind of unwound for him. He was making a lot more mistakes than I expected. And the result just didn't really match up to what I thought he was capable of. Now, we'll see if he can turn that around on Tuesday. I still like what I'm seeing from his riding. He just made more mistakes than I was expecting. So keep an eye out for him. But I do think as his hand continues to heal, as he gets back into full form from that time off that he had, I don't think we've seen the best from Dylan Ferrandez quite yet. Number eight, I have Justin Brayton. And, and it was a tough night for Brayton. Got caught up in a couple of accidents. Um, tried to force the issue on a pass. Ended up hitting the deck. And just wasn't wasn't the perfect setup for Brayton. Now going in, I didn't think this track would be the best for Brayton. I don't think he rides the tracks when they break down as well. 
Having said that, he got a podium at the first round in Houston on a track that was really difficult, right? So I could understand why he would be like, huh? Like he could look at me and say, you're crazy. And that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. But I think Brayton's best skill set is on a track that's well-groomed with huge whoops that he can execute perfect laps on. That's where I think Brayton shines. And that's not really what we're getting in Indy. Now, having said all that, if he gets a whole shot, I think he can fight for a podium finish. He's very, very good at adapting to the pace around him. That can hurt him because I think he adapts to the pace, a slower pace at times too. He'll get locked into a pace of a guy that he's much better than, like uh, Vince Freezy. Nothing against Freezy. Freezy's a great rider, but Brayton is better. But I've seen Brayton get locked into Freezy's pace before. But if Brayton gets out front and he's around Roxon, I've seen him walk into Roxon's pace. And they're complete, it's a world apart. But Brayton has the ability to kind of go up or down, and he kind of plays to the level of his competition a bit, and that we see that in football pretty often. But that's, uh, that's kind of where I see Brayton in this 2021 season. Marvin Muscana, I have at number seven. Marvin was a letdown for me in fantasy. Uh, he got 10th. He missed double points by one spot, and that was due to two crashes. He had a crash on that huge double on the second lap, and uh, that, that put him in last place. He rode his ass off pardon my language, but he rode really well. He got all the way back to eighth place and he was trying to get into seventh, which he would have. And he lost the front end just after the finish line. And that was devastating for me because I knew he was going to run out of time after that. Uh, he was able to get all the way back to 10th, but his riding is much, much better than, a, you know, the position and points that he is. So I have him in seventh. And I think that you know, the, on an average, I think his results are going to get much better just because I think some of the crashing will go away and then his riding will show up. So I have him at seven. Unfortunately, he's kind of ridden himself and crashed himself out of any sort of championship contention, but that doesn't mean he can't rack up a bunch of podiums and maybe fight for a win here before this is all said and done. I do think if you give Marvin a whole shot and you don't put Roxanne at the front, you don't put someone, I don't want to say Barsha, um, but if you don't put one of those guys at the front, I think that you have a chance for Marvin to get a win. I don't expect it, but I think there's a chance of it. And you know, the funniest thing about this whole power ranking list is I don't even have Barsha on it. That's crazy. Barsha was so out of mind and out of sight last night that I forgot to add him on my list. So I'm going to make, I'm going to, this is my, my podcast. I'm going to add him in and you can't do anything about it. So I'm going to make. Barsha, he's going to be a half number somewhere in here, and we're going to expand it to 11 because he absolutely should be in here, and I haven't gotten to a spot where Barsha should be. So you aren't any of the wiser other than I just told you and make my, made myself look silly. But moving on, I have Mookie at six. Nothing crazy for Mookie. He got caught up in a crash and, and kind of fought his way back through. But Mookie's still riding really well. I, I don't see any problem with the things that Mookie is doing. He just had a little bit of an off night, had an incident, and his results suffered a bit because of it. But I, I kind of like this version of Mookie. It's not as exciting. That's fair. But he's able to stay healthy. He's able to put results together. He's able to keep his body and his motorcycle on the racetrack, which was, I think, was something he wasn't able to do before with all the chances he was taking. So Mookie at six, I feel good about it. Now, before we get into the top five, Point five because I'm going to put Barsha in a half. I want to talk to you a little bit about the sponsors of the podcast. I'm just dropping it right in on you so you, you aren't prepared for it and prepared to fast forward past it. I'm on to you guys. I know what you do. Pirelli tires, 
They're doing really well. They have so many 250 privateers, and I love to see that. If you scan through the list of 250 privateers in the main event, you'll see Pirelli all over the map, and they are a ground roots comp- grassroots excuse me, company. And you can see that playing out in the results. You see Justin Brayton. He already got that podium using Pirelli and his return to Pirelli ever since he was on JGR. But check out Pirelli at PirelliMX, Pirelli.com. To see more, I think it's PirelliMX.com. should probably know that. But thank you to Pirelli for being on board. Plum Creek funding. Rates are at an all-time low. And, and if you guys watched the news at all, you saw the uh, – what is this? Federal, the Federal Reserve Chairman – Jay Powell. That's not, I, I sound so stupid when I don't know these things immediately, but he is the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, and he came out this week with another uh, few talking points, and he basically said, we're nowhere near ready to raise rates yet, and that all is reflected in what mortgage rates do. When they start raising interest rates, mortgage rates follow, and that's not going to happen for a while. So my advice to you, reach out to Plum Creek Funding, ask how Zach Morris can save you a ton of money, refinance if you're buying something, whatever the case is. I almost guarantee you that you can save money. So his cell phone is 720-212-4685. And just, just ask questions. There's, it doesn't cost anything to ask questions. And most likely, he's going to give you a scenario where you save a ton of money. I mentioned Guts Racing. Check those guys out. Thank you to them for coming on board. Works Connection. Go to at Works Connection on Instagram. Go to worksconnection.com. I, had a, I learned a pretty cool fact. So both winners of the, class, of the race this weekend... Ken Roxon and Colt Nichols used the pro-launch start device, ripping starts with those things. And then at Houston 3, I believe it was Houston 3, they had 12 riders in each class, 12 in the 250 main event and 12 in the 450 main event, all using the pro-launch start device. That's pretty impressive. There are a lot of competitive products out there that are trying to steal market share away from Works Connection. They're going to fail, but they're trying. But that's strong, man. Over half the field in each class using the same product. That speaks volumes to me. If you want to buy one for yourself, use the promo code JT21 at checkout and save yourself some money. Buenzo Oils, thanks to David Schloss for being on board, and he's all over the place. He's sponsored MX Vice and Racer X and Michael Essie and Hunter Schlosser, who made the main event last night. Check out Buenzo at Buenzo on Instagram. If you need oil for a motorcycle, which if you ride, you do, I ask that you choose Buenzo for your needs. Risk Racing. Guys, if you want something from Risk Racing, use this promo code JT dollar sign at checkout. We've talked, we've had James on from Risk Racing to talk about all the great products that they offer. These are a homegrown moto company, right? These are the people we need to be supporting. So check out riskracing.com. Whether you want that ripper for you know the Bluetooth activated roll-offs. Or if you want the uh, palm protectors or if, whatever, if you want the lock and load system, which is pretty awesome. If I, I, I was thinking about getting a van again once I get my 21 Honda from Kiefer, that would be a perfect setup for me inside my van would be that lock and load to take all the pressure off of my suspension, which leads me into 612 suspension. At 612 suspension on Instagram, 612suspension.com. You need to go oil changed. They are a race tech affiliate, so you know you're going to get quality parts and labor. You can mention the podcast and get yourself a discount with those guys as well. Ronnie Monk and I are in a fantasy, Pulp MX fantasy battle, and he's one of my buddies going way back. So if you want somebody who's been around the sport their entire life that knows exactly what they're doing with any sort of power sports suspension, please reach out to 612 Suspension. Premier Vapor Blasting. 
Now, if you're like Steve Mathis, if you're like anybody that has an older bike and you want it to look badass again, you want it to look awesome, you want it to look clean, maybe you're maybe you have a current bike that just is hammered because you've been riding it in the winter mud, like a lot of my friends in Boise have been doing. Reach out to Premier Vapor Blasting and get that thing looking sharp again for spring and summer. If you mention the podcast, you will get a 25% discount off of all the great work that they do. Pro Glow Wash, kind of along the same lines at Premier Vapor Blasting. If you're just washing your bike at your house, you want to use a Power Sports product that's specifically built for the grime and all the oils and all the things that come along, right? If you're using blends of oils and they comes out of your overflow and gets on your motorcycle, you want to use Pro Glow Wash to get that stuff off. It's it's formulated for exactly what you need it. It's not simple green. It's not some crappy soap you'd get at Walmart. This stuff's built for power sports. So reach out to Pro Glow Wash, and you can use the code MOTO15 to save yourself some money at checkout with them too. Grandstone Boots, thank you to them for being on board. I've been affiliated with Grandstone Boots since 2015. Always have me looking sharp, and if you know anything about me, I like to dress well, and Grandstone Boots keeps me looking sharp. And of course, Fly Racing. Go to formula.flyracing.com. Learn about all of the technology that's involved in the Formula Helmet. I will be doing a seminar, live seminar here in Indianapolis uh, on the sim- on the Formula Helmet on Wednesday night at Dryer South. If you're in the area, please come check it out. We will be giving away a Formula CC helmet, just random raffle for anybody who uh, who shows up. Let's continue on. Okay, back to the power rankings. Thank you for listening to all the advertisers. Thank you to them for being on, on board of this show. It helps me a ton. At number five, I have Zach Osborne, and his results haven't been great. He's gone 10 10 nine, five, not terrible, not horrible, not great either. I I know he's frustrated. I think that was a little bit of a bounce back ride for him, but he's better than this. He can do better than this with a good start. He's having to fight his way through the pack every time. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, Michael Wesley reached out to him and uh, said, Hey, hit me up. I'll I'll get your start sorted out. So I don't know if that actually happened. I, I doubt it. Uh, but yeah, that seems to be the missing ingredient for Osborne is the start. So we'll see if he can sort that out at Indy two and Indy three. Now at 4.5, I'm going to go Cincerillo and you know, what's coming after him because I I mentioned the 0.5 scenario that I was going to have to add in here due to my lack of preparation, but I have AC and and AC got out front and we were all kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Unfortunately, I hate to say that because I am a huge AC fan, but when he gets out front and he's pushing the pace to a place, maybe that he's not as comfortable, right? Roxon and Tomac were all over him. I was waiting for him to make a mistake and go down. And, and I was just praying and hoping that it wouldn't be a big mistake and it would just be some sort of tip over. But I was fairly certain that it was coming. I, when I see him start to press, just press the envelope, uh, I just don't think he's there yet. He will get there. I have no doubt about that. He's going to win races, and I think he'll be a champion in this class before it's all said and done. I just don't think it's, you know, everything is aligned quite yet. He did end up going down uh, just after that huge double section, you know, right before the wall there. Uh, so, yeah, it hurt him in the results column a little bit, but still, still a solid result. No big deal. He'll be fine. He's getting better and better. The starts are there. The speed is there. The fitness is getting better. Uh, he came off. He's coming off a podium at Houston three. I think you'll see him on the podium again before we leave Indy. And then Webb just kind of warmed down at the same time too, right? Webb is just relentless late in the race. 
So good ride from uh, from Cincero. I have no issues with the way his season's going, and I think it'll only get better from here. Now, next up, I have Justin Barsha. I have him at four. Justin Barsha had a horrible Saturday. Make no mistake, there is no other way to put it. There was no bright spot. There was no shiny moment that you could call a silver lining for Saturday. It was all bad. The entire day, the entire night, I never saw him put a good lap in. I never saw him look comfortable. I never saw the Justin Barsha not one time that I saw at Houston any of the three rounds. So I don't know what's up with that. I I would assume it's the different dirt. And he just couldn't get the bike sorted out the way he had it so dialed in for Houston. So I think that will be the most critical aspect is they're going to have to get that thing sorted out, figure out what exactly the problem was, why he was struggling, and make sure that that's corrected for Tuesday. Now, maybe there's something going on behind the scenes, right? We never really know. There could have been a crash during the week. There could have been some sort of issue. I don't know, right? They're never going to tell us that. But what I saw from his riding wasn't good. It just, if it was 2020, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Barsha, just not a good day. But he had such a strong run in Houston, and we were all like, man, he might be for real this year. Saturday was rough. Saturday was a significant step back in that narrative. So let's just keep an eye on it. Maybe he bounces back on Tuesday. But it definitely made me a little nervous about where this series is going to go. If that's the variance we're going to get, if we're going to get the Barsha that was at Houston versus that Barsha, that was a pretty big, pretty big, uh, step in the wrong direction. I don't have a better cliche to add in there, but it just wasn't good. Number three, I have Webb, and he rode well. Uh, I didn't think it was his best race ever, but it certainly wasn't his worst. I, I would like to see him get up and fight with those guys. He really wasn't ever in the battle with uh, with Tomac or Roxon or Cincerello at the beginning either. He needs to get better starts. I'm not sure what's going on with his start in the main event, but he hasn't really nailed that whole shot quite yet. We may see that, though, before this is all said and done, Before, especially before we leave uh, the series. I'm, I'm saying more indie. I think you'll see him grab a whole shot and then fight like hell for the win. Um, because you see him moving forward, right? That's a really positive sign. He's able to fight through whoever's in front of him. He was able to fight through Roxon to get the win in Houston. He's able to fight through Cincerillo and get on the podium, which is, you know, a critical aspect of winning this championship is staying on that podium. He's right in the mix for the red plate, right? He's a few points out, no big deal, but I I really like everything I'm seeing from Webb, even though he's struggling mightily in practice. I mean, mightily, he's not even in the top 10 in qualifying times most of the time. But he's such a gamer, you just kind of look at it and say, eh, he'll figure it out. We just learned, or I did anyway, I learned my lesson in uh, in 2019 with Webb. I just will not count him out no matter what struggles I see going on in, in qualifying. And, and believe me, there were struggles. I was watching him pretty closely, and it just didn't it didn't look good. He, it wasn't coming together. He could not get a time in. He was struggling in the whoops. He didn't look confident, very similar to Barsha. But when I watch Webb, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. He'll figure it out. Main event comes around, track slows down. He'll be fine. And that's exactly what happened. It's just more evidence of that. And it's hardening my resolve to just completely disregard whatever I'm seeing in, in time qualifying with Webb. Eli Tomac, good ride, right? I don't think, I didn't see anything wrong with it. It just, it's still more of this talking point that I've had about Tomac not looking overly fast. And I say overly fast. That's a very relative term. Of course he's fast. Like don't freak out all you Tomac fans. I'm saying compared to what we've seen from him in the past, 
He just looks like he's kind of on an even keel, but he's not blowing anybody away because I think in prior years, you give him that hole shot and he's gone on a track where it's really broken down. There's traction where he can be aggressive in the corners. I think he's out of there. Like no one's touching him. He's not going to make a mistake. He's not going to get passed back by rocks and he's just a ghost. And I'll see you guys at the podium. This race is over. That's the Eli Tomac we've seen in years past. That's not what we've seen so far in 2021. Even the race he won at Houston too, Osborne was catching him. Ferrandis was catching him. Yes, he held on to it, but in years past, they wouldn't even be able to see him at halfway. He would have been out of there. So I don't know if he's lost a step or the guys have gotten better around him, but that's what the situation is for now. He is a great rider. He's certainly a championship contender. He's right at the top, you know, the tip of the spear for this class, but he doesn't have some huge speed edge that maybe we've seen in the past. I still have him going, taking this down to the wire and, and very likely being your champion. I still will stick with Webb for the championship, but I could see Tomac winning it no problem. Would not shock me 1%. Number one, that's it. That's the last guy, Ken Roxon. What a ride. I mean, from start to finish, he looked awesome. He fought around Cincerello. He was very patient with Cincerello, which I thought was important. They're buddies for one. But he was patient, didn't force the pass. I think in the back of his mind, he knew he had a little bit of speed to burn. And he wasn't freaking out, right? Even with Tomac back there, which I think in year, you know, go back a few years, he would have been freaking out. Like, I got to get him. I got to get him because if Tomac gets me, it's over. I didn't sense any of that urgency in Roxon. And that's a really positive sign for, for Roxon's chances moving forward. He finally found a way around AC when the time was right. And then, you know, started... Uh, well, that was after a Tomac crash. I, I keep having to put that in there, but Tomac afforded this opportunity by going down. But Roxon is, you know, he jumps off the track, has to go around that whole section after he, he was checking out, right? He was gone, goes around, lets Tomac back in front. And then you're like, oh boy, this is just what Tomac needs. Is he going to, is he going to kind of capitalize on this? And he can't. Roxon gets him back literally like two corners later, and then that's it. Like, that's the end of the race. Tomac can't do much about it. He tried to make a little run at the very, very end, but it was not anything serious. I think Roxon kind of knew he had him covered. But great job from Roxon. I, I love everything about this 2021 season. Really, if you're looking for anything to to maybe say this could come back and haunt you, is he gave up those points, right? He, he jumped on the Red Cross flag, which I'm still not a huge fan of that penalty at Houston one, or is that two, whatever the hell Houston two. And then, um, you know, he, he gives the, the win away to Webb with uh, the incident with Dino. So he definitely has left points on the table and that could haunt him down the stretch. I'm sure he knows that, but there's nothing you can do about it. Now he's just going to have to make up for it, but everything else his riding has just been amazing, right? He, he was arguably the best rider at Houston one, even though he didn't win, he was, he was really good at Houston two, even though he lost points. And then I think he was probably the best rider at Houston 3-2. He just didn't finish the deal. He was certainly the best rider at Houston 4. So that's, uh, that's pretty strong evidence that we're seeing a great Ken Roxon. Again, I'll harp on the fact that we don't know how this will last over 17 rounds. I know Steve Math has said, has said on several of our shows now that he's, he's skeptical, right? We've just had a lot of evidence to the contrary that says at some point he's going to get sick or his body's going to fail him or something's going to go on, right? Shingles or the flu or COVID-19 concerns or who knows, an injury, whatever. It doesn't have to be anything that we've even seen so far. It could be something completely new. But that's really, 
If you're trying to make a case against why Roxon can't win the title, that's really all you have to lean on. Because if you're going off of what you're watching on the racetrack, you'd be like, damn, that guy looks really good. I don't know why I wouldn't pick him. It's just all of the other things. It's the years of evidence, the last few years of evidence that you would be able to build your case off of. So that's industry seating for this week. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to all the sponsors. Please use those promo codes. In short, the promo codes are how these sponsors gauge the engagement, right? They're, they're gauging the success and their hard spent dollars, right? They're, they're advertising on this podcast. And when you guys use promo codes for items, you're going to buy anyway. It really helps me because it gives me justification for the advertising and it just really makes the whole machine go. So I appreciate it. Don't do anything crazy. Don't go buy something just because, you know, of the podcast. But if you're going to buy something in these spaces anyway, then why not choose one of the companies that's supporting the sport, supporting the podcast? And, uh, yeah, I really would really appreciate it anyway. Again, a reminder, if you want to listen to the Patreon podcast, patreon.com slash industry seating. It's just a short uh, preview each race day morning. Uh, there are no sponsors of it or anything like that. It's super short, 10 to 15 minutes. I give some fantasy advice. I give a little bit of uh, you know what I heard, what's going on, some rumor gossip stuff. But I encourage you to sign up and check that out as well. Thank you, and we will talk to you this week. See you.